Well, welcome everybody to another edition, another episode, <laughs> another live stream of uh, yeah the Mark and Barry Hour. Uh, how you doing, Mark? I'm good, thank you. I mean, we could have another instalment <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, doing well, thank you. Doing well. Um, maybe one day we should count up how many live webcasts we've done. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's over, I, like I just did the math of in the sense of you know, average of 40 a year-ish. Yeah. Then, yeah. you know, times uh, 13, getting over yeah. 12 and a half. And so we're, I'm guessing, it, you know, you're the accountant, so you might. Uh, so 500. That's what I'm guessing is 500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. But, uh, well, welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us once again. It's always good having you. So Toronto, Canada, UK, Finland, Norway, plus all the others who haven't put a comment, eh? That's good. Yeah, not bad for uh, just a small group of us, you know, from we're representing nations, so that's pretty good. That's right, yeah. So yeah. You, you're with us this week, and next week you're not with us. Uh, would you want to tell us a little bit what's happening next week for you? Next week, I'm leading uh, the UK Father Heart Encounter at Cloverley Hall in Shropshire. Um, Mike and Sue, Norman and Johanna will be there with me as part of the team. So your your audience, congregation, participants will also be a bit <laughs> reduced next week, Barry. Um, so yeah, we're doing our Father Heart Encounter, a beautiful countryside of Shropshire, Really looking forward to it and trusting for just a great week of people really being touched by Father and His love. Amen. So, yeah, that's next week. And then I think the week after that, are you away? I'm away. I'm actually going to be in, in Toronto again, uh, teaching at a school of ministry all week. And, yeah. uh, you know, typically we do either the, the leaders the or the youngins. You know, I call them the youngins, yeah. the, probably yeah. 18 to 30-year-olds. So this one's the youngins. So it's always great and looking forward to it. Um, is there any yeah. anything you want to mention, too, about, you know, the, the two of us together coming up? It's getting, I mean, we're in March now. So I know. It's, it's very exciting. It won't be long. Yes. At the beginning of May... Um, Barry and I are going to be together, not virtually, not online, but in reality. <laughs> um, Barry and Anne are coming over to Europe, and so let me just get the dates up. Um, from Thursday the 4th of May to Sunday the 7th of May, the two of us are together in the Netherlands. We're doing a residential um, conference. Um, it's called, both conferences are called a deeper homecoming. So uh, the first one is from the Thursday night through to Sunday lunchtime. And that's at Hellfort in the Netherlands. And um, it's residential, as I say. Um, and then the following weekend, starting on Friday the 12th of May and finishing Sunday the 14th of May, uh, we're together in Gloucester in the UK. And then after we finish the conference and the church service in Gloucester, um, we're going up to Bridge North where Mike and Sue Hammond live and we're doing an evening event um, Sunday the 14th in Bridge North. So if you want details, booking information, 
go to uh, the Father Heart UK, fatherheart.uk website, click on events and there's a page there um, where you can book for both conferences. Um, you can book for the one in, in the Netherlands, you can book for the one in um, Gloucester and we will have details of a venue and everything else for the Shropshire, the, the, the Bridge North evening in due course. I mean, we may already have it, but um, and those guys can type it in if they want to, but you're very welcome. Um, we would love to see you. Um, and we're, of course, we're looking forward to being together and having a lot of fun um, between meetings <laughs> together. And maybe even <laughs> in the meetings. <laughs> Yeah, probably in the meetings. We're going to bring our toy boxes so we can compare toys. <laughs> yes, of course. So yeah, it'll be it'll be amazing, and it's been a long, a long wait for this. I mean, actually, it goes back to 2014. So here we are, nine years later, actually making it. Actually, Lord willing, you know that uh, everything in the world remains as it is. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing so many people too. Mike is very uh, interested to know if, you, if you've actually got legs. <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed earlier, but when Mike posted it, I started to giggle because it just, yeah, I I, I do, I, I you know what, I, I, I won't put my legs up right now to prove it. Yeah, I'll have to wait till I get there. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably still got his pajamas on, but you know. The <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it is the afternoon, so. It is the afternoon, and of course, yeah. the joys of online. So we're looking forward to that. Um, the, what the, the conference in Gloucester is non-residential, um, but the venue is actually a hotel, and they've come up with a special deal if you want to stay the uh, Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, but all of the details are on the website. So mm -hmm. um, we really would love to see as many of you guys as possible. We've got people already signed up for Netherlands from Germany, and from Finland and I believe maybe also some coming from Denmark so it's very central to get to very easy to get to in the Netherlands um, you know Belgium if you want to come and join us you're welcome France of course um, Poland you know come and join us you know it's not it's a bit of a drive but hey <laughs> um, we'd love to see you and um, yeah very much looking forward to that yeah, me too. So, so what are we doing tonight, mate? Well, uh, tell us about it <laughs> again. Well, as normal, as normal, we yeah. we had our little texts on Monday. What should we do? What should we do? You know, and um, Barry came up with an idea which we're going with um, tonight. So, Barry, why do you want me to pray and then you can get into the intro? Yes, what, and, yeah. Why don't we do that? And for then sure. you can just just kick it off, and I'll come and join the discussion. Um, yeah, Father, once again, we thank mm -hmm. you for your great love for us. Thank you that you're concerned about every part of our life. Mm -hmm. And we want a very practical discussion, Father, of how yeah. your love and how sonship just affects everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, and we thank you, Father, for uh, just being with us every moment of the day. Yeah. And we just want to hear from your heart this evening yeah. as we share together as we discuss together and I pray I do pray Father this would be an enriching this enriching time for all of us yeah and uh, we just look forward to what you're going to say yeah. amen amen well here we go here goes nothing <laughs> <laughs> yes so yes it's it's great to um, just to 
to be able to share again and i've so we so appreciate you guys and just your just your your encouragement to us and your love and just that you would want to listen to us and so uh the one thing that i i had the thought of for our conversation and i'm just kind of having kind of the the initial thoughts first to kickstart it but it's just this idea of our identity and embracing our new identity and of course i'm referring to being much loved children of god and i think you know this is one of the the areas that you know identity is a huge issue for all of us right we all have identities and and there's nothing wrong with them but it's just i think you know I think one of the things that, you know, I'd like to just unpack with Mark as we talk practically, like, because I think it's boots on the ground, just a practical nature of how does this, this, uh, how does it in a sense uh, flesh out in our own lives? You know, how does being a, a son or daughter uh, work in our, our family life, in our church life, in our, our work life and all those things? And, you know, I think one of the things, and I think we'd probably all agree that if there were three questions that we were, you know, if you met somebody on the street and you'd ask them, you know, to try to get a sense of who they are, they might be, some of the questions might be, you know, what is your name, where do you live, and, and what do you do? And, you know, it's that what do you do that, you know, is one of the core issues. And I remember the first time that I actually shared a message on identity was, was when Mark and I met back in Toulouse, and I believe it was um, 2003, and I, I can remember James Jordan had asked me to to share, and, you know, I was kind of like, I'm not sure, is this okay for me to share, and, uh, you know, he was he was very encouraging to me, but I really think there are many things that, in, in, in the natural sense, define our identity, right, where, of course, where we live, our education, our cultural background, how we dress, our achievements. There's all kinds of things. And, and when we even look at media and how media speaks to us, uh, they're trying to kind of bridge kind of into our identities, you know. And, of course, uh, you know, sometimes I used to be in the newspaper business, right? So I have an advertising marketing background. And, of course, the the some of the, the ways that advertising even tries to get people to buy products is they create this idea, if you buy this car, you know, this is the kind of lifestyle. Or if you wear these clothes, you know, this is the, you know, the fun you're going to have kind of thing. And I just, I think that that's one thing that, you know, we all, you know, whether we're mothers or we're, we're accountants or, you know, we're pastors or if we're retired, you know, there's so many dynamics of our life that kind of creates a sense of who we are. And even countries have their own national identities. You know, when you look at Canada, for instance, uh, Canada has always been kind of a very unassuming kind of um, national identity. You know, we live in the shadow of the U.S. I think it's up to 80% of the population of Canada lives within 100 miles of the U.S. border. So we're really influenced by a lot of the things in the U.S., whether it's media or music or or, or corporate leadership, all those things. And, and I think because of the living in that shadow of the U.S., we've kind of... Um, been really self-effacing, right? And uh, and so we're kind of known for that worldwide. And I even in New Zealand and Australia, I, I've heard that there's something called the tall poppy syndrome, which is you know it, it's just one aspect of a, a bigger identity. But you know there's this 
idea that if one poppy sticks its head up on a field farther, you know, that, you know, beyond the rest of the poppies, it's kind of seen as being a little bit inappropriate. And so the the natural response from the rest of the poppies is to chop the head off of the poppy. Now, if you're listening from New Zealand and Australia, you can maybe let me know if that's true or not. But, you know, what that can tend to do is cause you to to not want to um, maybe to um, just downgrade achievements. You know, like it's like Sir Edmund Hillary when he, he climbed um, – Mount Everest, and that was a pretty big deal. Mount Everest is a huge mountain, and basically when they asked him, why did you do this? And I think one of his answers was, well, it was there. And so he was kind of downplaying the accomplishment, and and so, you know, that can influence, you know, if we, we have national identities, and America, you know, we know of the American dream, and, and you know, anything is possible, and uh, even in Norway, uh, there's, um, you know, we have some lovely friends in Norway, but there's a part of a something called the Law of Yante that I, I learned when I was there. And this was just, there was this a, a, a sociologist in the 30s, 1930s, went around and studied uh, Norwegian culture. And so they, he was try, they were trying to understand kind of the unspoken uh, kind of laws, the rules of engagement, how you're supposed to behave, and so you know if 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 you've ever heard of that, or you you can just Google that. But it, it it's very much um, when I heard about it and I read some of these laws that were outlined in this book, it, it felt like it was very oppressive. You know, it was again putting a lot of of, of pu- pushing people down as far as achievement, and if you weren't perfect, you know, then you'd be afraid to uh, play a piano and and all of those things. And so, you know, there's all these things that affect uh, who we are. And, and of course, you know, I've had, you know, my, uh, a trunk full of identity issues, you know, in my life. And I think that's why I feel it's, it's one of my core messages in my own heart where I, I like to talk about because I know some of these struggles, you know, growing up with a, a father who did his best to love me, but, you know, he struggled with alcoholism and, and I felt the the way into his heart and into approval was through performance and so whether that was through sports or it was through uh, business later on or whether it was through academics, you know, I, I my identity was rooted in this place of achieving and when I achieved uh, I, I won't even say I felt really great about myself, but I felt like I was kind of kind of keeping shame away. But when I failed, you know, then all of a sudden you had this, this, uh, yeah, just this uh, up and down kind of feeling of being, you know, I, I, I disappointed my father, and I'm, you know, so in a sense, you know, that's where shame would come in. And I remember after I spent 19 years in the newspaper business and had quite a an engine, so to speak, where I had seven job promotions in that time. It was a medium-sized family-owned daily newspaper. And then after 19 years, we were bought out by the largest newspaper chain in Canada. I survived the cut. By that time, I was part on the executive for the newspaper business. But I ended up realizing that I just wasn't... Uh, wanting to go in the direction that the new company was going to go in. And so I ended up quitting one day. And I remember for the first, um, the first, I don't know, probably six months, 
uh, after I left the newspaper business, I would wake up with this cold sweat, and and it would be like I'm no longer in the newspaper business, and it was like like it was like something shifted in me, and it was like well if I'm not uh, in the newspaper business. Who am I anymore? And I realized that I had really developed this association with being, you know, an executive in the newspaper business that became a part of my identity. And even though, you know, at that time I was a Christian, I was active in my church. And then, you know, my my own home church invites me to become a pastor on staff. No Bible school training. They just saw the call of God in my life. And then all of a sudden this identity thing started to jump up again because now, I mean, I'm not a trained pastor. I don't have pastoral experience. And now I'm meeting with other pastors and, you know, all these expectations came up. And then, you know, that's what caused me to struggle. And then, you know, this revelation of the Father's love comes and absolutely turns me right side up. And I know that I'm loved by God and he's my dad. And what that led, I was only a a pastor for three and a half years. And then that led me into full-time ministry, what I'm doing now. And, of course, I went into this itinerary world where I'm now hanging around, uh, you know, people who are in the Father heart the realm and they're you know they've been pastors for years you know they're authors they they have this you know authority and, and influence around the world and I'm I'm really intimidated intimidated by this and every time I had a shift in you know what I did so from being a newspaper guy to being a pastor from being a pastor to being an itinerant minister it was like I was having identity crises and I remember the day when the father really spoke to me about this stuff and when he started to speak to me, he really encouraged me to look at Jesus and how his entire identity was that of actually being a son. In John five nineteen and 20, Jesus is speaking and he says, Verily I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does. And so, you know, we are... When we start to look at Jesus' life and how did he identify himself? And, and I actually love the, the fact that, you know, when in, in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 16, Peter's talking to his disciples and he says to them, who do men say that I am? And so they started to say what the crowd was saying. And, you know, Peter gets pipes up and says, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist. And, and, and basically they start to describe what Jesus was doing. So, and they were trying to identify Jesus by what he did. But then Jesus asked Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And this is one of Peter's greatest moments when he said that you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And and Jesus responded by saying, blessed are you, uh, uh, Peter, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so in my paraphrase of what Jesus said to Peter is, bingo, you got it, Peter. Other people were trying to understand Jesus based on his function. But when we when uh, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that God gave Peter the ability to see through the revelation of who he really was in his heart revelation to his dad. And you know, when even when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it's interesting that the Father couldn't contain himself from heaven. The Bible says that the windows of heaven were torn open. 
and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And it was at that very moment that the the Father affirmed Jesus' sonship. and said, This is my Son whom I love. And I just absolutely am delighted in his life. And the Bible says immediately... It brought, uh, the Holy Spirit led him into, into the wilderness. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that, you know, I, I'd like to talk to you with Mark in a minute. It's this idea of uh, we're sons and daughters to the Father. And even if we look at Jesus' life, right, when we are able to see that at the launch of his public ministry before Jesus that it did anything to earn or deserve the the Father's affirmation. The Father speaks from heaven and says, you're my boy. I just so love you. You belong to me and I'm just so pleased with your life. And he couldn't contain himself. But what happened after the 40 days in the wilderness with Jesus? The the, the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 6, the tempter comes to Jesus, right? And what does the tempter tempt Jesus with? The very affirmation of sonship that the Father spoke over his life. In, in verse 3, he says, If you are the Son of God, make these stones bread. Verse 6, he says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the temple. And you see, I really believe that the enemy's strategies are not any different today than they were 2,000 years ago with Jesus. That he will come to you and I, and he will try to bait us by questioning our identity as much-loved children of Almighty God. In 1 John 3, 1 says, See how great the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And so, you know, I I think that I would just love to be able to talk to to mark about this and the the tension of sonship because the reality is is that we're all uh you know I'm a dad you know I'm a I'm a husband I'm a fa- I'm a, a son to my mom I'm a friend to my friends I'm an itinerant speaker sometimes you know I, I we're all wearing these hats but I think one of the things that um I really believe the father wants to help us understand in everyday life that yeah I'm a son uh, to my earthly mother, but I'm also a son to my heavenly mother, uh, my heavenly father. I am a father to my kids, but I'm a son to God. And so uh, I just want to, uh, Mark, I want to bring you up if, if you're the, around there. And just to, to talk about this practical idea of sonship and our identity. And Mark, of course, owned his own accounting practice. And I'm just going to bring him back now. And and just this, this idea in and I would love to hear Mark because I know Mark and I have talked about this a lot over the years and just this this idea of, of where does our natural identities, you know, father, uh, uh, professional, ministry, all that stuff work in context of the the overarching identity of sonship. So there you go, Mark. Any thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these... these um these other roles we have in life, you know, being a husband, a dad, a friend, they're really important. You know, I don't want to diminish those in any way um, because they are important. They're important to us. They, they are who we are. Um, and I think whenever we talk about this, it's very important for us to draw a distinction between what is a relationship and what is a function. Mm. So being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a friend, they are relationships. 
being an accountant is a function. Being a conference speaker is a function. Being an author is a function. And um, I think we have to draw that distinction between relationship and function because we need to obviously see our relationship with our Heavenly Father as a relationship. It's not a function. <laughs> um, I was having a conversation with um, one of the vicars in the local town the other day and he was asking how the Father Heart things I was involved with, how they were going. And, you know, he, he asked me this question. He said, you know, what is the thing you really want to see people get? And I thought that's a good question, you know. And for me, it's like, you know, I want people to know that God is being a father to them, that they can call God Father. And I said this to him. He said something that really surprised me. He said, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? He said, you know, he's the vicar of a big church in our town. And he said, I listen to the way people pray. I thought, oh, I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> and he said, you know, when people pray, they, they pray to look to, to the Lord, to Lord God, to God. And he said, they're missing out on so much because they're talking to him. in this is what he said. They're talking to him in a functional way rather than a relational way. I thought, wow, that, that guy's got revelation. Mm. Um, because God is function. You know, it's what he does. But father is who he is. Mm. And of course, Jeremiah three nineteen, which we refer to a lot. Um, you know, I thought you would call me father. You know, why does God say that? Because that's who He is. And so, for me, I think the important thing is in, in we have to draw a distinction between what is relational and what is functional. And I, I must admit, you know, even though I was an accountant for forty years, it was always a function. It was always a job. It was never me. <laughs> I'll tell you a, a funny story. Um, well, I think it's funny. Um, when I first started out as an accountant, um, I mean, obviously, as, as, an, as accountants, we have to go to training. We have to go to ongoing training, continuing professional development, they call it. And we have to do so many courses a year to keep up to date with all the changes. When I was first starting out as an accountant, I went to one of these um, courses, just three hours, one afternoon. And I walked into a room of grey men. Um, they were all wearing grey suits, they had grey ties, and they had grey hair. And they just looked grey. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked into that room and I thought, I am... And that, I think what they'd done is they were wearing a uniform to match their identity. I mean, it wasn't a uniform, but it... It was. <laughs> they hadn't planned. They were all from different companies, all from different firms, but they all looked the same. And what they were doing was they were they were conforming to an identity of being an accountant. And I decided that afternoon. I mean, long, long time ago, I decided that that afternoon that I wouldn't. I was not going to be like that. You know. So whenever I went to one of these courses thereafter, I would always wear a bright coloured tie. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't help the hair going a little bit grey, but, um, you know, I was not going to fit this grey persona. Mm. Because somehow they'd fallen into this identity of this is what an accountant should be like. And I never wanted to be like that. Um, and Because for me, it, that was a function, that was a job. Um, it was not a relationship. I had I had a relationship with clients as people, but I didn't have a relationship with the job. 
Mm. And I think that's that's a really important um, distinction that we have to draw and we have to keep drawing that, um, you know, relationships, people are the important thing. And I always I always had a high priority in business to value people. You know, I yeah, I had to know a bit about tax advice. I had to know a bit about financial advice. I had to know a bit about accounts. But whenever I had somebody in front of me, I wanted to help that person. Mm. You know, that person was responsible for their family. They were running a business. They might have staff, um, you know, lots of employees they were responsible for. I wanted to help people help people. And so... Because that's how the father treats us. The father treats us as individuals. He treats us not as a function. We're not a job. We're not a project. We're an individual. And the great danger we have, I believe, particularly in running business or or, or that sort of thing, is we we can begin to treat people as projects. And the father never treats us as as projects he treats us as for who we are and i think that's always been a high priority for me but in this journey of sonship that we've we've been on um been on for 20 years 21 years um i think for me that has become the more i become a son the more i know who i am the greater that priority has been um because you know, as the Father treats us, we begin to treat other people. That's that's walking as Jesus walked. To me, that's a really practical expression of sonship. Um, is uh, so, yeah. I think the the identity is really. Uh, I've worked with people. You know, I've had colleagues in the office who, and their identity was their role, their function, what they did. Um, for me, that was never the case. I, I, I think I can probably count on... Yeah, I, I think I would be being honest if I said when we had young children at home, kids growing up at home, over that 20-year period, probably less than 10 times, I didn't leave the office at 5.30. You know, when my working day finished... I went home probably you know 10 times over 20 years I stayed a bit late to get something done because I wanted to be home mm. to be in that relationship with my kids so but I've, I've had you know I, I know people who spend hours in the office you know or they go home and have a meal and go back to the office and I would tell my staff you know I do not want you to do that mm. <laughs> um, because, because it's very very easy for the pressure of work to mm, and I think this is the, the world system that we live in. The pressure of work wants us to conform to an identity that is not who we are, but right. what we do. And I really believe we have to resist that very, very strongly. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think one of the <clears throat> the things that in what you said is, I think, so so important in the idea of the difference between function and relationship. Right. And you think about, you know, and so I just want to transition a little bit from from our careers to the church life. Mm. Right. And the, yeah. and, the, and the idea of um, 
even if we call it the fivefold ministry, you know, the ap- apostolic yeah. and pastors and evangelists and teachers and pastors, and 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 being able to to be able to understand that what we do in that or the gifts of help, whatever God's calling us to, is a function, but mm-hmm. it's not who we are. And I think one of the yeah. things that I've observed, and in, in probably in my own life and in other people, is that. The the lines get so easily blurred when it comes to identity in who we are as as sons and daughters to the Father who lead worship versus being a worship leader, or you know. And I think that's one of the things that I you know I just want to encourage people to to really ask the Father how He relates to us. He doesn't relate to us uh, in this mm-hmm. corporate model where He's got all yeah. these employees that are trying to get a job done. And I think oftentimes we do that. Like I, I think of this, I always give this illustration that our, our son is the marketing director for a national franchise company in Canada. Now, how do I relate to him? Do I relate to him as a, a marketing director or do I relate to him as my son? And does that change if he decides he wants to do something completely different? And of course, the answer is he's my son, no matter what he does. And, and the, 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 the meeting point of our relationship isn't based on function. It's based on our heart-to-heart relationship, right? But I, I just yeah. wonder, you know, when it, when it comes to this idea of, of walking in sonship, even in the church life, if we don't have that revelation that God is our dad, like, you know, of course, the, the, the absolute central uh event in your you know in your life in your story is where god said i will be a father to you mark yeah. right yes. and it yeah. then then what do we how do we relate to god but through well i am a worship leader you know and and i think that's one of the things that can get people really i yeah. I, I don't know if say confused but certainly not um relating to god in a in a functional way versus uh, a, a relational way. So um, I, I don't know. Have you noticed that as well and observed that in church life and in, in your travel? Yeah, I think we're very, um, we like titles. We like titles. We like positions. Um, and of course, some of those titles are attractive, aren't they? I mean, I remember, you know, years ago, I, want, I wanted to be a house school leader. You know, whoa, you know, it's like I made it. And so, no, I haven't made it at all, you know. But, um, yeah, we, we focus on titles because we like titles. They give us a sense of security. They give us a sense of identity. They, they, they actually, sadly, they fit us into the hierarchy. Um, I think, basically, they're often-hearted. Um, sure, the, the five-fold gifts are really important, Um I think if I look at next week, for example, when I'm, I'm leading this Father Heart Encounter, I I believe that um, I will be teaching, I will be doing predominantly exercising a teaching gift, but I will also be exercising a pastoral role for the team and the participants. I I will also be prophetic because I believe that this message, this revelation is, is a clear prophetic me- message and revelation and I think there's also something in terms of an apostolic um, role as well Now, there have been times on Father Heart schools when I've been evangelistic and made an appeal and people have been born again 
<laughs> but you know, I won't be thinking about those as 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 um, roles or jobs, and I won't switch from one to the other. But I kind of have come to recognise that that's what we do on on these these things. But you know, principally, I'm just a son who's doing what I see his father doing. I think what we have to do, Barry. This has been, I think, we have to we have to think of the Holy Spirit slightly differently to our traditional church way of thinking because we we think of the Holy Spirit or we major on the Holy Spirit as being the one who gives us gifts, the gifts of the Spirit which are all incredibly important and we need them much, much more in our churches than we see them. We really do. And, you know, anything I'm about to say does not take away from that. But, um, and we see, you know, that the, the, the fivefold ministries as being a ministry of the Holy Spirit. But to me, they are the fruit or the outworking of, or they're meant to be the outworking of us living in sonship. Mm. See, if we're living as orphans, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues, interpretation, miracles, healing, you know, all of those. If we're living as an orphan, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like we go to the toolbox. Yeah. And we take out something and we don't say this, but we take something out of the toolbox to make my ministry look good. Mm. <laughs> and so we, we treat the Holy Spirit as the provider of a toolbox. Mm. But let's go, you know, if we go back to what Jesus said. In John chapter 14, he said, you know, look, look, I'm about to go, folks, he said, but I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor, another comforter who will be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. And so then he then says, I will not leave you as orphans. So the Holy Spirit comes to show us, to remind us Mm -hmm. that we're not orphans. And if we look at what Paul says in Galatians and in Romans, he says we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the Holy Spirit of sonship in our hearts that enables us to cry Abba. You know, the Holy Spirit is the bridge between our heart and the Father's heart. That, and those of you who see me on a school, I, I do this like example of an elastic bridge. You know, the Holy Spirit is an elastic bridge that draws the Father and us together into that oneness. Mm. And to me, that is the principal role of the Holy Spirit, mm. is to convict or to enlighten us that we are sons. Mm. And when we live in sonship, the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit and the ministries of the Spirit mm. should be the fruit of sonship. And I think if we see it to me, over the last few years, Barry, I've turned it the other, you know, I've turned it round that way. <laughs> so principally, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship, and then that Holy Spirit of sonship gives us those gifts. Um, we've ignored it goes back to it goes back to relationship and and function. Mm. We've ignored the relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, and we focus on the function of the Holy Spirit because mm. of our orphan hearts. So, to me, if we can turn it round in our thinking and in our practice, then 
um, the function or the ministry or the titles become less important to us. Mm. They are still important, but they are less important to us. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether I'm a prophet or a teacher or an evangelist or a pastor. I'm just a son. Yeah. And if I speak prophetically, I speak prophetically. And if I speak pastorally, I speak pastorally. You know. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's the important thing is, is for us to recognize is that we focus, we put too much priority on things that are important, but are not the, um, we've missed out on the relationship. Yeah. And Does I, that make sense? Absolutely. How you said that, it was just brilliant, mate. I, I, one of the things that, you know, in John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says uh, that uh, this is to my Father's glory, that you will yeah. bear much fruit. Showing yourself mm. to be my disciples, and we, I, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I when I think of that, what do we, how do we interpret what f- the fruitfulness that Jesus was speaking of? And of course, he he goes on to say, you know, that as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love, and my mm. joy will be in you because the Father is loving you through me, and you're staying in love. And and the reality is the fruit. You know, it, it, and again, it comes back to that perspective of, of function. Do we think, okay, what yeah. is the fruit that God is mm. looking? What is how much fruit do we bear? What is that kind of fruit? And for me, uh, you know, the the natural tendency outside of this revelation of love is like how many web visits, how many places you speak, how much <laughs> Bible reading you do, you know, how many people you share Jesus with, all those things, and we have these measurements of fruit, but mm-hmm. the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. From Galatians 5:22 and 23 is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and yeah. kindness and faithfulness, you know, and self-control. And this idea that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is really the fruit of being loved, and yeah. it and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and that's being loved manifests in peace and manifests in joy and faithfulness and kindness and all those things and but i think again if we are looking at god in that sense of he's the general he's the commander you know he's got this army and you know we're soldiers and i know there's analogies in in paul uses mm-hmm. in scripture but they're not the, the central uh event that's it is not it is basically maybe an expression of that uh but comes out of sonship and so i I just say absolutely and even even the actual role of the holy spirit you know when we talk about being filled with the spirit right ephesians Mm -hmm. 5 18 we almost we can almost without understanding what the implications what is the role of the holy spirit we could think that this is a power thing that you know i'm anointed and that i you know i can absolutely Mm -hmm. just somehow this helps me to to build up my own ministry, yeah. so to speak. But even in, in Romans 5.5, 5, where Paul is writing, he says, in, in, and hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And when we begin mm-hmm. to understand, like you just so brilliantly said, that the Holy Spirit is actually the 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 vehicle, the venue, the person that imparts the love of God to yeah. us so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. It totally changes everything. And, and of course, and one, the one thing I was just going to mention about Jesus, our, 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 our big brother, 
is that he moved in and out of ministry function. Now, I yeah. truly believe there are fivefold gifts. You know, there is a pastoral gift and an apostolic gift and all those things. But when you look at the life of Jesus, he moved in and out. When 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 he needed to prophesy, he prophesied. When mm-hmm. he needed to heal people, yeah. he healed people. And it was because he was moving in this area of sonship that, you know, yes. he was a son. And, of course, he prays to his dad and he says, everything that you have is mine, Father, and everything that I have is yours. So when we are living in that reality, I really believe that that um, while there are giftings yeah. and anointings and all those other things, I truly believe walking as sons and daughters actually can absolutely blow away any of the limitations that we think, mm-hmm. like you said, like when you're you're at the next week at the event next week, you know, when you're moving in out in and out of like a pastoral gift and a prophetic gift and all those things, if you would say, no, I am a teacher and just saying I'm going to I don't do anything else. I teach what we've done mm-hmm. is we've limited ourselves to one, you know, one uh, dimension of the character and nature yeah. of God. But when we begin to say I'm a son who teaches. But then you can move in in and out of other ministry gifts yeah. as well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. And of course, Paul really summarizes so well in First Corinthians twelve thirteen. You know, it's like talks about the gifts, but now I'll show you. Now I'll show you the most excellent way. And talks about love, um, and then you know it, that's kind of like make love your greatest aim. And John writes in his first letter that we walk as Jesus walked. And what he's describing there is a relationship. Um, and I, I just, you know, even back in Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies this. You know, I will put my spirit in you and my spirit will motivate you to walk in my ways. Mm. And that's kind of like the principle. You know, that's, that, that for me is the, the role of sonship. Um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you another little story of something that happened a few years ago. I was leading a... Um, one of the Father Heart schools, and at that time I was I was still working. I was I think I was working maybe three three and a half days a week, and then doing the schools as and when I could. And somebody came up to me in in the in the school and said, "Mark, can I ask you a question?" Yeah, yeah. How do you cope with the change? I, I said, "What change?" How do you cope with the change of one week you're being an accountant and the next week you're leading a father heart school? And I said, I don't, I don't cope with the change because there is no change. Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't take off this accountant persona and put on this father hearty persona. <laughs> Because if I did, you know, when I went home from work, I would take off my accountant persona and put on a husband or a father persona. And I'd go to church and I'd take off husband persona and put on church member persona. I said, there's no change. There's just me, you know. And she said, but, you you know, one day you're doing something secular and the next day you're doing something spiritual. I said, no, that is completely the wrong way of looking at it, you know. As far as God is concerned, and I think this, you know, this is a journey we need to go on. There is no division between secular and spiritual. In fact, there is no secular. Everything is spiritual. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, uh, it's like, 
I, I remember somebody said once, you know, I want to enjoy my Christian life. Well, what what about the rest of your life? Do you want to, do you want to enjoy that too? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like when you start having a Christian life, when you stop having a Christian life, surely you're a Christian all the time, you know. It's, and we we have this kind of stupid division, divide in our thinking that says some stuff is spiritual and some stuff is not spiritual. The father doesn't see that. Mm. You know, he, you know, I, and I said to this person who asked this question, how do I cope? I just said, look, I don't cope because there's not a, there's not a problem. There's nothing to cope with. Mm. I said, I'm just Mark. Mm. You know, I am just me. And this week I happen to be doing this. Next week I happen to be doing, you know, that I'm still right. a husband. I'm still a father. I'm, you know, I'm still even doing this week. As a father heart school, I'm still an accountant. It's what I do. But yeah. you know, it's so I try to sort of dispel this myth that we've created that there is this division. And I think this is a blockage for a lot of people, Barry. Mm. You know, Sunday morning they they become spiritual. Sunday lunchtime they stop being spiritual. Well, that's not a very helpful way to live life. Because we should be spiritual all the we are spiritual all the time. You know, our relationship with the Father is twenty four seven. And so for me I don't I don't I don't walk upstairs into this room. You know, before we started this, Barry, I was sitting downstairs talking to Fiona. You know, we were just chatting about the day and various other bits and pieces. And I didn't come upstairs into this room and make a conscious decision. Oh, now I've got to be really spiritual. I'm meeting Barry Adams, author of The Father's Love Letter. <laughs> you know? And we're doing a webcast on Father yeah. Heart TV. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, that, that's, that, that thought is like, doesn't even enter my head. You know, it's just the same guy who was sitting downstairs talking to his wife is now talking to anybody who wants to listen. <laughs> and I think it's a really important, it's a really important thing for us to get. Mm. Because if we live with this false idea that we have a spiritual bit and a non-spiritual bit, or a spiritual bit and a secular bit, what we are doing is we are feeding our false identities. Mm. We're feeding the false identity of function. Whereas if we just see ourselves, hey, I'm just Mark, I'm just a son. You know, I'm a friend, I'm a mate to Barry, you know, I'm a husband to Fiona, but, you know, I'm just me. Mm. You know, what you see is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> and when we kind of get to that place, we stop feeding our false identities. Mm -hmm. I just remember what Jesus said when he was a boy of 12, and he went to the temple, you know, he goes to the temple with his mum and dad. They go home, he stays there, they lose him. He knows where he is, of course, but um, they go and find him. Eventually they find him. And I just let me just read it because I want to get it right. It's, um, it's at the end of Luke chapter 2. Um, his parents find, find him in the temple and Jesus says, Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So even as a boy of 12, he knew who he was. He got it sorted, you know. But it says, this is what I find amazing, is what it says next. 
it's, it, Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But the next verse says, Mary and Joseph did not understand what he was saying. See, there's Jesus, totally secure in his sonship, totally secure in his identity. He knows who he is, he knows who his father is, he's 12 years old. But his parents, Mary and Joseph, they don't get it. It says they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. He was so secure in his sonship that even though his parents didn't get it, mm. he went with them and submitted himself to them for the next 18 years. I mean, we've got no way of knowing what would have happened. But speculation, my imagination, you know, what would have happened if at that point Mary and Joseph really got it? If they really saw who Jesus was, that he was a son. I mean, they knew he was a son of God. It's something of revelation. You know, they didn't understand. But what if they got that revelation and they understood what he was saying? You know, would he have stayed in the temple? I don't know. It's, 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 it's speculation. But it's just really interesting that because they didn't understand, he as a 12-year-old boy was so secure in who he was. Mm. He went with them and was obedient with them and ran the business, mm. you know. So maybe sometimes things don't quite work out as we'd like. Maybe some things don't work out as we plan. Maybe some things don't go to our ideas and that can throw us sometimes can't it you know that, that can rock us and knock us and makes us question but even even if things don't work out right if we are secure in our sonship as sons and daughters of the father we can go with we can ride the rough wave mm. wow that's that's so good well as we are wrapping up here Mark could you and I should feel there's something that you have to to impart to people on this like it's just your 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 insight is so powerful and like you're saying that people are struggling maybe things have happened maybe their career path or their relational path or ministry path hasn't been what they had hoped and uh yeah I just I just believe through thick and thin the father is the father mm. do you want to say so yeah, absolutely. maybe if we could just put the music on and just um yeah Maybe just spend a moment just to yeah. to pray and just ask the Father to come and just pour out His Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Father. Father, thank you that you're always Father. you're always loving us and Father I just ask that we would be so rooted and grounded in love that whatever comes along whatever knocks us whatever shakes us Father we would be secure in who we are Father I, I pray today that the roots of our life would go deeper into your love Father, that 
even if things don't work out the right way, whether that's with our careers or our families or our church life, our ministry, that we would still know that you love us and that we're your son. Mm. Father, I do pray that you would help us to really draw this distinction in every area of our life between relationship and function and help us to give relationship priority over function. Well, I just ask that you would put your arms around us Mm. and just reaffirm our sonship, like you did with Jesus when he was baptised. You are my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Father, may we hear the words. You are my son, you are my daughter. Mm. Just speak those to every heart now. Thank you, Father. Yeah. 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 And Father, we just ask just that... Um, yeah. Yeah, I just feel that just to give us the big picture mm. of your love. Yeah. So often we are defined and limited by our own life experiences mm. and, and I just believe that even in this this moment now by your Holy Spirit that lives within us that you would just help us to see ourselves through your eyes and that yeah. you would know that we are loved with an everlasting love and that our our identity and our destinies are secure in your embrace. So, Father, we, we just thank you for your love and we pray peace that passes understanding over every person that is listening that would guard their heart and their mind. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray that a deep rest would come to each one of us, that we wouldn't have mm-hmm. to strive or have to compare ourselves with other people or or even mm-hmm. in our own, what we feel are limitations in our own backgrounds or education or... Uh, yeah, lack mm-hmm. of gifting. Father, we are your children. Mm-hmm. See how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. Father, may those words go deep into each one of our hearts that would mm-hmm. set our hearts at rest. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks, Mark. That was rich, brother. That was rich. Thank you, too. And thank you, everybody, for joining us in this this wonderful journey. And uh encourage you to maybe pray for Mark next week as he goes to uh, boldly go... <laughs> he's gone before <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks and uh, yeah bless everybody and uh, we'll see you next week for those who are able to come yeah great thanks everyone have a good week okay see ya bye see ya bye <laughs>